Welcome back, everybody. This is Vinny Dunleavy, and you are listening to Dad So Hard. We are towards the end of season four with another great episode. Before I get to that, I need to let you guys know I am excited about what we've been doing this season and the holidays. I'm even more excited to let you know this episode, as we get to the very end, this episode is supported by American Underdog. It is an upcoming film this Christmas you're going to love. It stars Zachary Levi, the star is Shazam, and the TV show Chuck. And he is Kurt Warner, the Hall of Fame quarterback, widely considered one of the most successful NFL players who was never drafted. If you don't know Kurt Warner from the Rams, he famously rose from stocking shelves from the graveyard shift at a grocery store to become a Super Bowl champion and two-time NFL MVP. And they've told this guy's story in the best way possible, bringing it to life on TV. And it's a real great family film. The movie opens Saturday, December 25th. The perfect time after you open presents, you're trying to figure out what to do this week for Christmas. It's a long week off between Christmas and, and New Year's. Uh, 100% one of the movies you should be put on, on, on the list. Uh, it features uh, everything about football, but you don't need to know football because of the family themes. Anna Paquin is in it. Uh, she's phenomenal. Uh, there's so much fatherhood themes throughout this. Uh, you probably could rename the movie American Dad Bond. Uh, it culminates uh, as you go through it. You see his guys, his life, what he's done. And then you see what happens in 1999 during the Rams championship season before Kurt's youngest five kids were born. Uh, he did an interview recently also with Dad 2.0, the blogger network that Dad So Hard is thrilled to be a part of. Uh, Kurt mentioned what a thrill it was to watch it with them and, and see what his life was like uh, through his kids' eyes. Could you imagine having a better fairy tale uh, showing your a film to your children about your life before they, you, they existed? I mean, that's amazing. Um, and, and Kurt is a super nice guy. Listen to this interview. So he did an interview with Kurt and Zach, uh, Zachary Levi on Dad 2.0. Uh, the early screenings for this movie are December 17th, 18th, and 19th, but it comes out on the 25th. I'm going to post a link to the Dad 2.0 podcast. If you pause now, you can go search iTunes or whatever system you're on for Dad 2.0. It's Dad 2, the number two, Dad 2 um, podcast. Or you can check out the trailer, American Underdog. You can also search for American Underdog movie. Uh, put it on your list for the holidays and get ready I uh, uh, wish everybody a happy holiday season. We are nearing the end of season four of Dad So Hard. This episode in particular, I'm thrilled to share with you uh, for any man who has gone to the bathroom while having a toddler and you're out by yourself and you need to change a diaper. A couple of years ago, there was a young man who did that and he posted a photo of his struggle. He posted a photo of him squatting and trying to change a diaper. That one photo went viral and launched a international movement called Squat for Change. His name is Mr. Dante Palmer. And he simply had one mission. He simply had one mission and that was to figure out a way to make dad's lives easier and to raise awareness of something that was bothering him. He did not think it was gonna become something. He simply posted one photo of what is on his mind. That's what a lot of us fathers are doing in this space, I think it's part of what we're trying to do in Dad So Hard is have everybody share their stories. Uh, and his life was changed overnight. And it became really a, a speaker and an influencer on this topic. He has single-handedly uh, changed what our bath, uh, changing bathroom stalls across America. I recently was in Columbus, Ohio on a trip and loved the fact that when I went to the men's room, there was a giant stall. So not only did I have room, but I had that room because there was a changing table there. 
And what that tells me is we're setting, and I talk about this with Dante, but when men, young men in particular, when you go into a bathroom and you see a changing station there in a men's room, what that says is babies are not just a women's problem. Babies are not just for a girl to manage. They're for a man. And I think it, we can't lose sight on, yes, it's convenient for me when I had my baby and I needed to go change a diaper. It's convenient. It's there. But if you're a young guy and you're growing up and you're going to a bathroom and you see that, you're, you're, we're saying to these young guys, there's an expectation that you have to be a father and you need to be engaged. And it, you're, there's a world where you're going to have to show up with a diaper bag and change a diaper when you're out in public. And it's a subtle, subtle thing. And I think things that maybe we don't appreciate, but uh, Dante is on a mission to do it. Uh, it's also, uh, there's a lot of other things he's talking about. It's expanding. He's a funny guy. He's passionate. He's positive. And he is out there doing his best as a dad, like we all are. I really hope you enjoy this interview. As always, please follow us on Dad's Award Podcast. Send me an email. I love all the tweets I get. I love the messages. Me and Danny are out there. We're still uh, flying the flag high for you guys. We're trying to do our best in keeping this conversation going. We appreciate everything. I hope you've enjoyed this season. I'm going to keep posting and promoting episodes. If you haven't listened to a previous episode, just go back, find one anytime you want. They're, they're fun. Uh, you can just pop in in the middle of them. Uh, you don't need to go from the beginning. Do it a little bit differently. Um, but as we go into the Christmas holidays and the New Year's, please uh, reflect on the things that you've enjoyed this year, the mistakes you've made, how we can all wake up and be better uh, and have fun. Uh, life is hard. And there's no reason to beat ourselves up over it. So enjoy it. Keep doing the things we're all doing, guys. And cue music. Hey, everybody. This is Vinny Dunleavy. And welcome back to Dad So Hard, where we are talking about fatherhood. Thank you. If this is a first-time listener, Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you've been here before, thank you very much. Today, I am thrilled to have yet another phenomenal father. This gentleman I met, I don't know if he remembers meeting me, but I remember meeting him a few years back at a dad blocker conference. Uh, and he single-handedly, uh, sometimes think people change things in the world. And sometimes you are not, you want to make the change. And other times you are asked to make the change. And this is a gentleman who uh, by one simple photo changed a little bit of the trajectory of his life. And we're going to talk about that. And, and what it did was helped all of us uh, who, if you're a man who's ever been to a stall, whether you're in that stall uh, with a kid or without uh, you will, you may or may not have noticed a changing table there. And if you haven't uh, then keep your eyes open because there, there should be, there either wasn't one there or there should be. So, uh, but we're going to talk about that, but please uh, welcome uh to the dad so to dad so hard nation uh one of my favorites this is i don't even know uh where to go dante because i am so excited that you were here mr dante palmer is on is, is up to bat welcome dante it. thank you thank you for inviting me to dad so hard um uh, i've been i guess a dad advocate for the last three years i haven't had no idea that there was a dad community out there that really pushes podcasts and movements and dialogues and all type of conferences so it's new to me um and I, I love it I just think it's a, a big part of who I am now to you know connect with other dads but 
like you said, like the name of this podcast, Dad's So Hard. How can I go hard every day for my children? And um, it's just a true testament of who I am as a person. You know, starting this global movement and still running with it. Um, and my boys are now, you know, getting older, learning more about this movement and now potentially helping me, you know, get the change that we're looking for. I mean, I, I absolutely love it. And for those who this movement started and, and I can't wait to get into this conversation because for right. a lot of fathers, there's this idea of like what we plan to do and what we think we're doing. And in your story, you were sort of thrusted into uh, almost this different direction. So Dante, for those who don't know, I'm going to, I'll do the cliff notes version of this, but about four years ago, right. It was about three or four years ago. About three years you're in ago. A men's, right. Three years ago, you're in a bathroom changing your son's diaper, which in a lot of cases should not seem that complicated. But if you're a man and you have to change your kid's diaper in a bathroom these days, there's a time where you threw them on your lap right. and you, you bent down and you just had to squat and figure out how to do it. And so uh, from what one photo where, you know, Dante posted and authentically said what a million fathers before him were probably thinking, Absolutely. why is there not a changing table in the men's room? And why, what, what, what is this about? And from right. that photo launched, uh, the movement squat for change. If you're listening, please, you can pause the podcast right now and go follow it on every platform squat for change. And it is a movement to get changing tables in men's bathrooms. And uh, it's made a huge, uh, to me, there's not a new bar, new restaurant that's opening um, that doesn't have it these days. I'm also, I was so impressed. I was on a trip and I think I actually, um, I Instagrammed messaged you from Columbus, Ohio. Cause we were, we were in this, we were in this bar and it was a football, I think it was a football Saturday early in the day, but I went to this restaurant and it was like one, the largest men's room I think I was ever in. And then I go into the stall and like, it was like legitimately like, like oh, this is a new place. This is not New York City bathrooms because right. they had the space for it. This place was ginormous and it was like the nicest, uh, it was going to be like a hotel room. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is real squat for change. Like this is a really nice changing table. Um, and so, um, uh, it, it's really changed, I think, where people are going and, and the idea of, of expectations course. for fatherhood and expectations just for like things like a simple bathroom. But Dante, when you when you go back to the moment and you think about what happened in the months and years after that and where your head was before, did you were you somebody who thought actively about fatherhood and that you were like, you know, dads get that get the short end of the stick all the time? Or was this sort of a moment where you just were like changing one more diaper and your, your legs and your knees are buckling and you're like, what the fuck is happening here? Why am I right. doing it? Right. So I was, I was doing it um, before the speech was posted. I was really a, a truly a true active father, you know, just the average dad, I guess, um, in the sense of taking kids to football practice and you know, taking them to school, packing lunches, you know, changing diapers. So I wasn't really, I didn't think of, I didn't have, they had a, before um, the squat for change movement, I didn't think about the, the lack of resources or equitable rights that fathers did or did not have. It was okay. These are my three sons. I'm going to make sure I have it and we're going to get it done. But when this picture was posted and then the conversation came out that fathers have lack of, that's when I really started having this, these, um, those thoughts to myself and thinking like, you know what? It was true. You know, when I went to the hospital with my wife and she, we gave birth to our youngest, especially um, the doctors came and flooding and giving her pamphlets and, mom mom support and i'm sitting on this little one one man solo leather chair with no pillows i'm like where's my bed at you know what i mean I'm, I'm staying here for the next three days you know where's my food where's my father's support group and that's why i was like wow you know fathers just are we are looked at looked at as not a parent you know what i mean so um 
when I went to the, the, the dad conference, that 2.0 was when I really realized the importance of fatherhood. I'm not saying I wasn't, I didn't think of my kids as important, but the, the community of dads, like everyone's fighting and advocating for their own pieces of what a dad need. Um, so when you, over the last two years, when I'm connecting with these different men from different cultures, different backgrounds, different experiences, I was like, we are really definitely making a change. Now it's to a point where it seems like squad for change is still growing, but people are like, why are you even advocating? Their changing tables everywhere. Who are you? And I, they don't know who I was two or three years ago. They're like, oh, it's changing tables. Stop advocating for it. And it shows me one of two things that I'm going to keep going because there are still places that don't have those changing tables. But number two, over the last three years, a lot of change has been getting done where people feel as though my argument is void now because they are saying them. You know what I mean? So I was like, over the last three years, it's definitely some definitely change. To, uh, well, and uh, so first of all, a, a ton to unpack there. Cause number one, I think squad for change becomes more than just changing tables. I think of course, it goes absolutely. to all ask, right. That, it, to that me, too, it becomes absolutely. a platform that we're advocating for support for fathers. So just, you were saying like, where are your pamphlets in the, in the hospital? Where, when something happens to a kid, where are people going to the father? But right. when you started there, you said before it happened, you, you described yourself as an average dad and you, you sort of said it. I don't want to, I feel like you threw it away a little bit and I don't, and I, and I think you need to have a minute on it. It's that you were like, I was an average dad. I bring my kids here. I do that. Where do you think that expectation? Cause I would argue there's still a lot of fathers who don't do any of that, right? There is still, we still have the soccer mom versus the soccer dad, <laughs> right? Like there's not like, so where can you talk a little bit about, I guess, growing up, and your own experience with your mother and your father, how did that, what was that like? And then how did that shape you into thinking that, yes, I'm my, the expectation I have as a father is to show up and do these things for my kids. Cause I don't necessarily know if that's um, truly something worldly. You know, no, I agree hundred percent. So I think mine came from the lack of a father. So when I grew up, my, my father was in the house. He was present in the house physically, but wasn't really present there. You know, spiritually emotionally like a son should, like a son needed yeah. um so as a father now i'm i'm intuitive to my children i they ask a question i stop whatever i'm doing just to hear that hear them hear them talking i pray with them and i just have to be there every step of the way to make sure to make, let them know that i am here and i'm active in your life but growing up you know my father like i said was present but not really present so um, at the age of like 11 or 12, I made a, um, my due diligence. And this is a strong decision for any kid to make is when I become a father, I will be a better dad than my dad ever was. Now, my mom, she worked two or three jobs. She was um, buying us the latest Jordans and all types of, you know, putting meals on the table, getting um, getting us to um, our practices and, you know, taking us to church. So she was doing all she could um, do as a mom, a superhero mom. You know what I mean? And um, I was like, okay, I, I understand my mom. I love her to death. Um, and I'll give I'll get a world to my mother. But why isn't my dad doing the same thing? You know what I mean? So when I get older, I have to make make it my right. When I have children, I will do it. And it's funny because the world can't make around. I have I have no daughters and it's something I've been, um, you know, praying for. But I have three sons. And I was like, these three little boys represent who I am, who I was as an 11 year old boy. And I remember my commitment I gave to myself that I would treat them um totally different than my, than my father, um, um, you know, handled our, our relationship. But uh, uh, there, like I said, everything comes full circle with my father. My father was, you know, 
involved in the streets heavily. Um, it, it caused a lot of heartache and turmoil. You, but my father and my two brothers, we actually had a conversation with my father on a, another podcast about um, three months ago. We put it all on the table. Um, it's the Father Rights Movement. They have a podcast, and we spoke about the turmoil, you know, trials and tribulations we had growing up, and we pretty much. You know, forgave, forgave each other on this podcast. We let you know that even though we did go through a lot, that we still are men enough to forgive our father and vice versa. Yep. Our father on, on live, on air, to say, you know, he um, that he's sorry. And then he had to forgive himself for a lot of those years. Um, so now, um, even though I can say my father was, I'll give him like a 60% of a good, a good dad. Um, he's 125%, 120, I mean, 150% um, that much better as a grandparent. Uh, I think my sons would um, rather call my dad for money than call me because they know I'll tell them no. My grandfather, <laughs> my hair, son, take it. I said it to your dad, get it from him. So he's the world's best, greatest. He's the greatest grandfather that a kid can ask for. So I'm excited about that. So as a kid, though, what made you, and it sounds like your mother was a huge influence in your life then. Absolutely. What was it about her and parenting that got you to receive what was happening to you and your father in sort of a traumatic, in a, in a positive light and not, there's that trauma at some degree, right? Of course. Tra- right? Like you took it and you took it and you turned it into a positive where you said, I'm going to constructively go, I'm not going to do this, where there's a lot of uh, kids and a lot of men who will turn that into anger, resentment. Of course. And keep it, what, was there something about the way she, was it purposeful, do you think, in her mind where she wanted to make sure you guys had that idea of, whether it's forgiveness or patience. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the thing is, I did grow up with a lot of resentment, a lot of hate towards my father. Yeah. But the thing, the thing um, I think my mom did on purpose and intentional was that she uh, connected us with other mentors, other men. It, it was our churches, you know, youth leaders um, like um, Darren Parks, Mark Eccles, Jamil Smith, Kenny Martin. These are men that um, pretty much took my dad's spot as growing up. And they were like, you know, this is how you live life. This is how you become a man. So even though I had the resentment in my heart, my mother actually put me in front of great men to see this is how a man's supposed to treat family. And he had wives, they had children. So and at times, I think that's where my resentment came from. I'm like, you know, yeah. well, these men are teaching me how to be better men, but they go home to their children and teach their children. They, 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 they feed their children. They have they go to the children's basketball games. And they, they, they did the same for me, but they didn't feel the same. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, but okay, um, you go home to your house and you're just a mentor. You go home to your children, right? Um, so I think that's what my resentment came out of. But all in all, my mom they, they did a, a great job to put me in front of these men that were, that raised me pretty much. And So now when you, when you were then becoming a father and you were on Instagram, so bring me back yeah. to how many followers at that point, like now you're, you're living the everyday Joe's life. Were <laughs> you trying, were you trying to be a public figure? Were you trying to uh, put yourself out there in any way? Like where you're, you're, you had your job, you have your kids. Like what was your day? De- Tell me about the day before you post this photo, what's right. going on in your father world. Well, I was a teacher at the time, um, teaching high school. Um, so I'm, my wife's an educator. So it was just like, it's, like I said, it was normal. We lived in this, I guess, a, I guess a, a bubble in a sense. We go to work, come home, football practice, have dinner. We go to church. We would go fishing together. And that was it. I mean, I, I, before this, this life of mine, I, I did sketch comedy. So I was like character development and I put things on um, 
you know, Facebook world and Instagram world, not really expecting to get anything and nothing really happened. Um, and so, but I think, I think we're, what it is now, um, living in purpose, you know, we can have so many ideas out there, but what is your, what is your true purpose? And my true purpose bust through the window and say, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You know, let, letting the world know your story and showing other dads how to be better dads. Um, so, yeah, because I think, I think about it as like, it, you were chosen to be the vehicle for this message, right? Because you, absolutely. there's a lot of ways where you might not have been the only person who posted a message like that, but the universe right. said, you're the one that we're going right. to go viral with and you're going to be making the example of it. And somewhere in the universe, they thought you can also handle it. So now right. when you think about embracing that, because it comes with a lot of good, bad, and the ugly, it is not easy to be a public figure and doing that. Uh, as And how that affected your notion of fatherhood, because now you're getting pulled away from your family. I would imagine at the time, you're there living no, your normal life. And now you have everybody and their mother wanting a little piece of Dante and your kids That's are like, crazy. yo, where'd you go, dude? Um, yeah. What was that balance like going from just a teacher to now, you know, you're becoming the CEO of a charity and expected yeah. to be a totally so the first, person. the first two months was really stressful. I mean, this is um, the time where I was working at a high school and I'm Jacksonville and I won't say the name because, you know, I don't, I never want to slander people or their, or their companies. Yeah. They fired me because they wanted me to kind of source all the attention and the money that people were sending me to the school so they can elevate. And I was like, well, you have to keep jobs and my professional life kind of separate, right? Yeah. My personal life, I mean. So I kept it separate. So I got fired. So it was stressful. Number one, that where how am I going to get to start to pay start paying bills? You know what I mean? And can my wife handle all the bills on her own? And then you have, you know, CNN, Fox, Forbes, um, New York Times, Washington Post, everyone's calling you, not just in the States, but then you have to wake up at night because you have India and Australia and China, yeah. Tokyo calling, and Afghanistan calling. I'm like, dude. I really must have struck a nerve when Iran and Afghan media journalists are reaching out to me to speak. And I'm like, okay, this is good. So I'm up, up throughout the middle of the night, not having, um, I would say, I didn't put boundaries in, in place. So of course, when I wake up in the morning, my son's like, hey, dad, you're taking him to school today. And I'm like, well, I got this interview with Fox. Your mom is taking you. And they're like, all right, cool. And this moment I realized, even though it wasn't really like, you know, initially like hurting them, it was like, okay, it's a switch. And these are the moments that I want my dad here, but he's full focus on um, in media. Um, and I talked to my wife about it. I say, you know, I think I'm, um, I'm getting stressed out because everything I want to do, it seems, seems like I'm getting pulled left to right. And I had a mentor call me and say, you know, it's okay to say no to press, right? It's only free press. It's okay to say no to them. Yeah. They want the story, they'll come back around. Um, and I, I started putting those boundaries. Okay, this is my family. I'm going to keep my family first, like I, like I have been doing, and the media will continue to come after that. Um, and some people are saying, like, this is why you don't have a million followers right now. You, you only have 10,000 followers. You should have ran with it when it was hot. And I tell them, you know, the only four followers that I care to even have is my wife and my three sons. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. If I keep them happy, then everybody else can, I guess, remain happy or whatever they feel. But my four followers here in my household are happy. So that's what makes me the person I am today. No, it's a, it's a, uh, that is real clarity of vision right. of what you want. And, and that, that itself is a gift that you have it for yourself. Cause right. sometimes I think like when you work, I often have those conversations with our kids about like, well, why can't I show up tonight? I'm like, well, I'm working. And I'm like, by the way, I'm working because you wanted X, Y, and Z. In order for me to buy that, I need a paycheck and, and, Absolutely. and sort of balancing like, and I want my kids to have a work ethic. Like, I feel like 
we can provide a great environment for them, but you don't want them to take advantage of it and to just Absolutely. think like money falls. And of course, they, they understand that too. I tell them at times yep. when I got to work, I got to work. And dad can't come to the game today because dad has something important because you do want the PS5 and you do want the latest Jordan, yeah. whatever it is, right? So dad can, can um, I will be missing this one, but the next 10, I will be there. But you have to understand that. And they understand. So we have a, a clear line of communication that everyone- They do know a PS5, me and my wife are in the search for one for Christmas, is expensive. It's I didn't expensive. realize how pricey those things are. Oh my Lord, it's expensive. Uh, if, that, you that, Facebook, if you go on Facebook market, you can find one for about $600. This oh. Facebook market, but I don't know if it works or not. <laughs> but that it, well, Or it's going to be the box. There's a lot of these ads out there like PlayStation well, 5 box. Right. Yeah, well, they, oh, I'm, not, I'm not, that's an eBay. That's, that is an eBay scam. I am not falling for. Oh Absolutely. my Lord. Oh my Lord. So now when you think about like, so you start this movement, it's about uh, uh, your kids are now older. You're not doing diapers. But right. now you're still continuing in fatherhood. What is at the age? You're, how old are your sons now? What are their ages? Um, they're 15, 10, and 4. So now 15, 10, and 4. What would you say? If, let's go to the 15-year-old. All right. What is the one thing you think father of a, being the father of a 15-year-old? Right. What do you think in our society today? What does Dante need help in that you're looking around going, oh, my God, like my kid's 15 and I'm missing this. What, what's that headache right now? So my, my 15 year old, he's definitely my, um, my most quiet son. He's the more quiet, more, more reserved, more conservative. Um, he's a football player though. Um, so right now I struggle with to really, you know, get the training he needs for his position and um, getting scholarships. You know, I, I tell my, my kids to have goals, but let's, I, I do goals and streams. What is the first goal? The first goal was to get you to college, get a full ride scholarship somewhere, right? Because dad and mom don't want to pay for college. Yeah. I mean, I just don't want to pay for it. So that's the struggle now, just trying to, you know, keep them grounded and keep them excited about it. Um, but it's, it's expensive. You know, football in high school is expensive now. It's, but what the 15 year we have to have a lot of conversations. You know, he was JV, now he's varsity. Um, at times I, I feel as though he, he's hard on himself. And I think it comes from me as well. Cause I'm hard on myself. I'm just having those conversation. I'm like, Hey, it's okay. You may not be the greatest on the team. We're honest, but how can you be the greatest on the team? And these are the steps we have to do. Um, and I have to say this as well. Um, you might have children out there who are nine or 10 or even younger. I say, take every moment with, um, just take every moment in because when my son was 10, the oldest was 10 years old. I remember he wanted to hang with me and be a part of everything I did. And I kind of like push him off. Hey, you know, I'm just going to the gas station. I'll be back in five minutes. Now I can't get him to even come outside to the front porch, the front porch with me. And I mean, so I was like, take those moments and stride and really appreciate those moments. Even though we have our times we do spend, but he's 15. He don't want to talk. He's just a teenager. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm a 15 year old doesn't want to hang out with a 30 right. something or 47 right. fathers. I'm, shocking. I'm old. I'm corny to him. I'm lame. His friends think I'm the best dad in the world, but he's like, dad, you're embarrassing me. Um, so it was one of the things, but it's taking a stride, but I think that's the biggest struggle with him. Just, you know, just remaining. Where do you like, it sounds like you, you make, it sounds like you make a real effort though, with your 15 year old to talk about college and and the focus of of training the balance of football and academics who do you think where are you getting those role model conversations today like do you think is, is there a place that you go to say oh that's a good one because what I've, i think when danny and i when we started this podcast what i've always struggled with that is that in corporate america there's this notion that you get a big job and you know everybody says like oh look at the big executives or ceos are all men mm-hmm. and it's almost the assumption of go to college, get a big job, make a lot of money. You'll be a CEO. And that is success in life. 
And yet you don't have a lot of man. I find there's not a lot of quote quasi what you want to call successful men, whether whatever industry they're in, nobody really talks to them about how they manage their family and their own work-life balance and their relationship with their kids. Right. Like I feel like I'd love to talk to uh, the uh, manager or owner of a football team, the coach of a football, like an NFL team and be like, when do you see your family? Right. And what is that choice like? Right. Because they're all, these are guys that are working 90, hundred hours a week. Where are you getting on a microcosm of that is you're the everyday dad who's trying right. to have these conversations. Where are you getting your inspiration from? Experience. Um, just growing yep. up, um, just, just um, you know, looking at other dads who are close to me, brothers, uh, my brothers and my uncles, how they treat their children and um, how their children are, um, you know, gaining more. Like my, I have a friend now named Rob. He has a, um, a son named Xavier. Xavier is 10 or 11, I believe. And Xavier is a hell of a basketball player. Um, and I take every piece from my friends to say, how can I apply it to my life? Right. The amount of time that he spends with his son, Xavier is like, is mind blowing the amount of training they do, but it's all out of respect. He pushes his son so hard, but I see his son actually loving the game and not being forced away from it. And I was like, okay, how do you force your, not force your child, but how you apply a lot of pressure, but just the child receives it in a, in a manner of, you know, out of respect. So I didn't even, my, my brother Cameron, he has three sons now. Um, he's a, so we are like dad guys, right? I mean, the boy dads um, and how he just installs in his children, his, he, he pretty much gives his children a lot of encouragement. He's a, a yep. youth pastor, so he he ministers to them. He installs in them, and I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna take that piece of, from Cameron. So what I, who I am now is just an example of all my friends into one body. I take this piece from him. I take this piece from this dad, and I apply it to my life. And then my my sons, even though even my fifth year, even though he thinks I embarrass him, I embarrass him, he could come around to me and tell me, Dad, you know what? I have something that my friends don't have. And that's a good dad. He'll tell you all the time. That's why all his friends want to come to the house on the weekend. Yep. And I asked him, so I do, said, you, do you, do you feel then like, cause it sounds like on one hand you have, you have built a great community and support of other fathers mm-hmm. that are like-minded, right, but at the other hand, and I think the reason why I like to have these conversations is that it, like the guys you have it with, it makes it sound like fatherhood is so easy. And, and we have it the best because everybody's doing it. Oh, yeah, but then yeah. <laughs> but then there's all these kids, right? But then you have all these kids at your house because they're like, oh my, I want my dad to be like you. Like, do you then feel like there's the, how do you take on that responsibility of, and especially now as a pub, as a more public figure of saying, you know what, I not only am I doing this for my kids, but do you feel like you have a slight burden or do you want to feel a responsibility for being a better role model for the fathers in your community who aren't doing what you're doing? Like, how does that, what's your, what's your thought on, you know, what your impact is not just for the kids, but for the yeah. other dads and, and young guys growing up who, who need to see a good role model. Absolutely. And this is a conversation I had just last weekend. Um, a young guy, uh, one of my my son's teammates, come over. His name is Black Black. We call that's his nickname. Um, he comes over every weekend, and I met. What is his father. real? Wait, oh, wait, I don't say his Fran, real name. Fran, is, there, is it because he wears black? It can't. <laughs> no. There has. I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea why his name is Black Black, but his name is Francois. So All I right. finally met his his father um, last week. And he was, so we had conversation. He's like, oh my gosh, you're the guy that my son always wants to go over every weekend. He asked me, what is happening over there for my son when I leave every weekend and come over? And I said, honestly, I talked to him and I listened. And he was like, no, we, he said, he asked me, can we sit down and have a conversation one day? Because I really want to know why my son is 
wanting to run away to another man's house to learn from him. Yep. And it's just one of those things where, and, and even in that moment, I was okay, it's more about installing who I am into young men, right? Or young women, right? It's about connecting with their parents and their fathers. Say, okay, this is how we handle our community. It takes a village, you know what I mean? If you think, totally. if you if I sit here and think, I'm the only ones who raise my children and teach my children, they'll be successful. I'm a, it's a bold-faced lie. They have to go meet their coaches, their mentors. Um, you know, dad's so hard. These are the conversations I want my sons to listen in on. So they can say, okay, uh, my dad may be wrong, but this is where I can, you know, pick something out that may be right and apply it to my life. So it's about, you know, in my community, especially the Miami-Dade community now, trying to figure out those dads, those communities, so I can go in and, and give my true purpose and uplift dads so they can be better parents. And did you feel like in, in doing that and be, and because you are a public figure, do you feel like there's more of a responsibility Absolutely. to do it the right way and there's more eyes on you? And then especially as a black man in the Southern yeah. part of our country, do you, does that, Wait, does that weight on your shoulders or are you just going to do it because you're like, I'm Dante and I'm not going to go into the noise or do you oh, embrace that say, and go? Yeah, I say I it's both ends. I say it's both ends. So I think number one, I'm a, I am a public figure. So people do know me. Or if I say my name, you know, they always come back and say, oh my gosh, you're that guy who went viral. So I know I can't say much or do much. Like I'm a football dad as well. And I can't scream and cuss people out like I want to because <laughs> I am a public figure. But it's also a passion of mine just to help and solve people. And I think it's um, my purpose. And my wife would tell you, like, throughout the week, I'm so drained on the weekends. It's like, okay, I'm drained. Uh, I gave myself to my wife, my sons, my son's football team, the dads on the football team, teachers, mentors. I'm always pouring out to people, yeah. right? Um, so I tell, and my wife knows, we have a day where we just spend time for ourselves. I have a dad day where I go out, go to the mall, go get a drink. Um, fill my tank back up for myself. My wife would tell me words of affirmation to fill me back up. And then when Monday morning hits again, it's like, it's game time. Let's do it again. So I think it's a passion of mine, but it's also, you know, just doing it the right way because I don't want to be a headline saying, you know, squat for change, positive dad. Now was cussing people out. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, he's, so, he's definitely squatting. He's squatting and drinking something. Squatting and drinking something. So I'm, so I have, I have a, a responsibility to do this job. But uh, the thing is, I'm really passionate about it and I won't stop because um, I'm a parent. I can't take that. No one can yep. take that. One. So now going back to, let's go to your youngest son. Now he's four. And four. you think about squat for change is really addresses like what a lot of guys and fathers are dealing with when your kids are in that right. zero to three age, when you're in diapers. Like I was in diapers still, I think three, three and a half until we were like, <laughs> come on, please get out of it. And I always said like the benefit of diapers there, there was something I loved about my kid in diapers because it was like, you can go anywhere and you have to worry about a bathroom. Right. And then when your kid is first out of diapers, it's like a panic attack. <laughs> Cause you're like, Oh my God. And, and for girls, I, mean, I, have a, I have a 10 year old daughter now. So when she had to go, I was like, where am I running into? I got to find a bathroom. got to find a bathroom. Right. Uh, but when you thought about now as a, uh, 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 with your four-year-old who was out of diapers right. and in a different phase, you maybe I'm a, I suspect you probably could be wiping butts. I still wipe butts and mine's seven. <laughs> Like, I, I need a wipe wipe for change, oh, maybe. Same thing. So he's four, and he's still wiping. It's funny. I'm laughing because he's at the door. My four-year-old, I hear him say, Daddy, are you speaking about squat for change? <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's, it's been three years, and he's he's excited. Like, yesterday, honestly, he came home from school, and I changed his clothes. He's like, Daddy, I want to wear my squat for change shirt. So I put it on. Oh. <laughs> runs around with a squat for change shirt on. It's so old and dingy, but he loves it. But yeah, I need a wipe for a change because yeah. <laughs> the underwear, his big boy underwear, just aren't the same as I bought them. 
you know, uh, they're um, not. They're <laughs> some the, uh, no, no, not at all. So, so when as, as as you've gone on now, and out of these four, and he's out of the diapers, have you noticed something else? What what at this age is potentially irritating you as a father? Uh, the the um, dad of a four year old. What is it that may be driving you crazy right now? Is I'm it just, just the color of toys? Is it books? What, I mean, what? For, him, for him, it's just, he, so I think it's a great thing because I teach my kids a questionary thing. I want you to question everything. But my four-year-old, he questions, God damn, he questions everything. <laughs> like every single thing. I'm like, dude, like just, I'm telling you, to, I'm telling you to do something. Just do it. God damn it. You know what I mean? And I don't cuss at him, but sometimes I'm like, babe, just keep, please take him. I'm getting okay. frustrated. I think it's just the support, but also, like you said, Squire for Change is so much more than change tables. It's also about mental health. So how do we, you know, protect our mental health and, continue, and still continue to be great fathers? Like, like you said, fatherhood is not easy. So when I go on Instagram, I see these um, these dad influencers showing the greatest part of fatherhood. I'm like, okay, you're going viral because that's what people want to see. Can we show the ugly in fatherhood? Like the days you're like, honestly, today, I just don't want to be a damn dad. I just don't care for it today. I'm mm-hmm. tired. I'm stressed. No one asks me what I want. No one asks me what I want to eat for lunch. Or is someone going to drive me today to my job? No one's asking us that, right? And then you have to go home. You have to pray. And say, you know what, Dante? Well, you, I can't strip the title away. I'm, I'm a dad, so yep. what? Do, what can I do tomorrow morning to make me feel better about life? Um, so honestly, it's just one of those days. So I, I guess my my bad days comes when my mental health is breaking down. Like, okay, yep. I just don't want to feel like this today. But like today, we are off work. Um, my sons are home from school, and it's one of the best days. But every day is not good. <laughs> so, no, well, you know, it's sort of like like we always say, we want to work hard play hard, dad harder. When you work hard at the end of the day, you wake up, you're tired. When you play hard, you're generally hung over. When you dad hard, there's like a dad over. I don't, there's not a name for that dad hangover, but there is a dad over where you're like, I I need to not be around a child. I get it now. Dad's so hard. That's what, and it makes perfect sense now. Cause when you dad hard, it's like, now you're drained. I get it. And I think I go so hard for my children. Like my thing is if I can go out with my friends, you know, at bachelor parties and drink so hard when I come home, I'm a dad hard. Like, I guess it's a dad over. Is that, is that I guess we'd have to. We may be naming it right now. We'll give Dad you that. You could, that could be the next squat. You, you, <laughs> I'll give. I will gift it to you. Dad over. Uh, Dante, it's going to be a dad. It's going to be a dad over. And so I go all day and, and father, and then go to sleep and wake up. I'm like, dude, I am so. First, I'm excited, but I'm so exhausted. So it's a dad over. Yeah. And how it's do you? A, dad and, over? And it, it is. It is real. It is real. 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 What it's now? So when we think about like uh, how you've been doing. And you talked about uh, growing up with your mom and the influence she had. Think about this past week. What do you feel like you potentially failed? Because I do think I, I agree with you on on Instagram. There are a lot of dad influencers and a lot of the, and that that is the pro content. I was like, oh, look how great I am. Look how good looking I am. It's like look at me and my son. My child's great looking, and I'm like that it's a mess. And I don't. There are times I love my kids. There are times right. that I want to open the door and be like, you can move out. Move out if you now. don't like it. <laughs> My, I said my line. So my famously, I remember when I was a child, my mom came home one day and I, I was irate and I just, I don't want to live here anymore. My mother went upstairs, got an empty suitcase, gave it to me, walked me to the front door and said, and I said, where, where I said, where am I going? She goes, you're, you said you don't want to live here anymore. I'm giving you figure a suitcase. You're coming. You're leaving here with what you came in with. Nothing. They figured out. And so whenever my kids and they get irritated, they'll always say, I don't want to live here. I hate you. Or, you know, I get, I hear a tirade of, of, of stuff. Hey, well, that's totally fine. If you think right. you can find a better father and a better family, by all means, there's the okay. door. Walk okay. the neighborhood, 
Mm-hmm. I am not, this is not a world I need to be in right now. I care about you when I do it. Uh, right. But at the same time, then I'm like screaming at them and I'm like, okay, now I see the therapy bills racking up as I'm screaming and, and right. making it worse. Um, what what in the past week, let's, let's give an example of where you may have feel like you're like, I failed big. Uh, this yeah. was not a good dad moment for me. Right, so yeah, my son had a, um, he had practice this um, couple of days ago and he's a cornerback. So he moved from JV to varsity um, and the varsity receivers was I think, I don't know if you can hear me or not. He was busting his ass. I mean, he was busting his ass. He could not guard anybody. And in that moment, it wasn't as a good dad. I should have said, okay, this is where he needs to fix things up and get better at. Instead, I got in a car and I gave him a hundred, hundred bars. I was screaming and yelling and you should step up. This is the moment. If you, you look like you're a freshman, right. Or a sophomore player, you look, you look JV. And instead of a moment, really having a conversation to say, these are the days we're going to fix on. I've ridiculed them. And I seen like I was pulling the spirit or the, or the passion out of them. Right. So I think I felt as a, I felt as a dad, but I think you, I always have to go back and apologize. All right, son, I was being hard on you. I apologize. This is what I really meant in that conversation. So I think at times as parents, we want to see our kids do so great. Right. We want to see them do so well. We want to push them so hard. Um, and I think in that moment, I gave him too much of the negatives out of the conversation. I, that, that to me is the hard, that conversation you just described to me as a father of, I think that's the hardest conversation to have. My daughter plays soccer. I manage a team. And she literally on Saturday got in a fight in the middle of the game with her best friend who was the goalie. <laughs> and then for 10 minutes, she just decided to not play. And like literally <laughs> stood in the field and was like, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm not playing. This. And I was... I, I, and I was saying to the coach, because I'm the manager of the, the trainer who's on the side of the field, I was like, Mike, you got to take her out of the game. Like, this is, I can't have her let down the nine other parents that are about to like rip her head off. And they were being very supportive. But I'm like, and he was like, she has to learn. And, you know, three goals go by. And I was like, oh, this is not, this is not ending up in no, a good situation. And, when, and, <laughs> and I struggled with when it was over, like, there's a lesson to be learned about how you show up and play the game and what you want to do. But then there's also the supportive parent. And I think you've, I feel like I half won, half failed. I definitely was like, what are you doing? That was terrible. But then I, and, and the listening, and I think that's to me has been the hardest balance right. with, with a kid is having that kind of, and I fail at it uh, on a daily basis because you want to correct. Right. And you, cause I do think there's a lot of, we're living in a society where also there's a lot of our kids hear a lot of positive reinforcement and of nobody course. actually wants to give them the truth. And so you're sort of like, well, if I don't, I'm part of me sometimes thinks, well, if I don't give them the real truth, who will? Who because will? everybody else is just saying, great right. game, great game. I'm right. like, no, like there were real mistakes. But that's that. So I so I, bounce, I have to balance those conversations. So like you said, everyone said, oh my gosh, he, he's going to get better. When the light switch click on, it's going to click. And I'm like, I get it. But how can I tell him the opposite? Right. So I, I give a balance. So I say, Isaiah, you, you know, or my sons, you are doing an incredible job. Hear my heart. But this I always started. Hear my heart. When I say that, it's like it's setting the tone. Okay. I know that has great intentions. Hear my heart. You had a great game. It's a good practice. But I need you to do the X, Y, and Z. If I come down with a, a calmer tone, it's received well, right? But me yeah. screaming, yelling is never – that's anybody. You know what I mean? If my wife comes in screaming at me now, I'm like, I'm going to just turn down. I actually like that, though. But if, I, if I'm about to yell and I go – Hear my heart. Hear my heart. To some degree, it calms me down, and it also right. packages, it packages my yelling at you in a nice in a way. <laughs> in a nice way. So just hear my heart. 
I'm not trying to be mean, but listen to me. And this is what I'm really trying to say. I'm trying to benefit you in your life. It is received well. Um, and, you know, he just comes back to me and I can see it. You know, he does a play. He looks at me, throws me, throws, throws a thumbs up. So it's one of those things I know he's, he's expecting me to say something and he's wanting to hear my words and not coming with the, um, I guess, a wrath is where I think I felt that miserably this week. And I think no, I, had, I, I totally get that one. So now on the flip side, what? on the, on the flip side, Dante, where are you taking a full page ad out in the Miami Dade Herald saying crushed it? <laughs> Today, gold medal, Absolutely. dad of the day, dad of the year. What did you, what, give us an example of a, a what Well, yeah, I'd say my, so my wife, she is the um, executive director for Teach for America. So she travels a lot. So this week she went to Tampa for three days. When I say I crushed it as a dad this week, I mean, wake up, showers, food, homework support, talking to teachers, looking at math I, I can care less about because it's common core and I don't understand it. <laughs> Um, Spanish homework. I'm not Spanish, but today I know some Algatos and yeah. some and some Lacientos. I know that now. Um, so this week I think I stepped up as a dad to the plate. Was a single father for three days and I killed it. No I love body, it. I love. I don't no think break, it's, it's no actually fascinating. Arms, no broken no, arms. I love that, but I think being, and I'm good. I think I think we have to give it up for single dads out there because I don't think there's enough of them that are public. They probably don't have the time to be on Instagram. They need a platform. They need a campaign because I was I was struggling for three days, and then I went to church. My boys went to church because I had rehearsal, and everybody's oh my gosh, Dante, you're doing so amazing. I'm like, thank you, I appreciate. It. I felt so good. I'm like, but what about the single dads who do this every single day? If you guys are listening, I applaud you. Call me. We can do a campaign together, and I can push it because you. That is tough. It is yeah, tough. I, and this is, I mean, I, I give all respect to uh, single moms out there for oh, any parent, of course. but when you see a single mom who's working and doing it all, it's incredible. And I, and I say that the discussion of fatherhood uh, is not about anything else about saying that motherhood is not phenomenal and women aren't doing great thing, but it's that people have forgotten that it is not easy for men and that it is, and fatherhood is not easy. And that we also have to have that support for each other and have that conversation because we all, ha we have similar, very similar challenges and very similar issues, but it's just all, a lot of this stuff is, is packaged in a way where it's packaged for moms. Like I, I was thinking about um, the other day, I was having a conversation about, I was saying I was meeting you and I was, I was talking to this guy, Dante, who did Squad for Change. And I brought up how I think part of what I love about seeing a changing table in a men's room is that it's a different type of contraception. Cause you go yeah. in and you usually see condom dispensers, <laughs> but now, and like, that was like, if you went to the bathroom, there is as a man, Right. As a man, you grow up. The only thing you ever think about uh, when you think about getting up and having a kid is, well, prevention, because you go into a bathroom and there's condoms. But like the fact that now as a six year old, you go into a bathroom and you see a changing table, you're telling that six year old boy at one point in your life, there is an expectation you will be in here changing a diaper. So in a, to me, I think it is it is it's, it, there's a short term goal where it makes guys easy. But to me, what I think is so powerful about the movement that you're behind is it is changing the mindset of the expectation of in the most private place, like the most private place you are as a person, when you're going to the bathroom, right? There's nothing more intimate for any human Absolutely. than that moment. And for a young person go, wow, there's, you're now saying it's an, it's expected to be right. in here with a diaper bag, right? Like, I mean, you should have a line of diaper bags soon enough because no, I, squat, I do. You need to have I'm about to say that. So me and a guy named Cliff, um, Clifton Wilson, 
um, we are teaming up. We are um, speaking uh, diaper bag for Nordstrom's. It has oh, fantastic. Now, so we're working some things out, but we have a line of bags coming out soon. Some prototypes are being developed now, waiting for some products to come our way. So we have diaper bags, bibs, um, squat for change blankets, and we are, we'll be out soon. So um, stay tuned and there will be, we're not done yet. Even though I know it's been quiet because the pandemic hit a lot of things and people could care less. Well, about P- nobody was in, nobody was in bathrooms. In the no pandemic. Was bathrooms. They're all, they're all going to come raging back. Right. Right. I heard someone say, Dante, it was, all, it was a lot of funny games. Dante, we are we are losing employees. Are you trying to put changing tables in my restaurant? Give me some time, right? And I understood that. So even though it's been on a decline for the movement, we aren't anywhere. We're going to come back in a different expectation. If it's not changing tables, we would hold conferences about for, for dads with mental health, you know, single parents, you know, gay parents, you know, straight, whatever yeah. it is, we're going to have these, we have these, we're going to have these strong, these, these big conversations and dads will have, will be there with me as well. No, I, I love hundred percent. I love that. And I, what I think is important about that is it's not about, we shouldn't be fighting um, to have them put in bathrooms because people should see if you want a father to come in there with his family and his kids, you want his money, you want to build your business. I'm going to go someplace that it's easier for me to eat. I want the food to be good. Right. When my son needs to go to the bathroom, I want to be able to go and do it and not feel like it's a headache. And I think a lot of these businesses are going to see that as an opportunity. And that's what you're really, you're bringing around. Right. I cannot, Dante, I uh, cannot uh, thank you enough for this. I'd say, I saw you spoke We, we I, at the Dad2 Summit. If everybody's interested in the Dad Blogger world, uh, the, I saw you speak at the Dad2 Summit. Uh, that entire experience was was really a headbanger to me because the diversity of fathers that were there, and I think there's still a lot of work to be done in changing what fatherhood looks like. Oh, absolutely, and, of course. Right? You look at the movies. There's still this idea that everybody's a sort of a doofball, um, and not really caring. Um, and I was amazed at how many fathers showed up and what and what they're doing and and how much work that's going on down there. And I'm I'm excited that we're able to share your story. Uh, with Dad So Hard Nation and, and all of our followers. And you know, we are always on your side. And every thank time you, I see another you. changing table, um, I'm giving it up to you. Whether it was there five years ago or not, I'm giving <laughs> you all the credit. I'm giving you all the credit on it. Thank I take it. I'll take it. And thank you for having well, me. It's been, it's been an amazing time. Um, dad, dad shit, just don't stop. My son is actually, my oldest is, I know he's counting, it's 1146. He has to be at football practice at 12. Oh, so we got... This is what you got. It, it's we're we're always always bouncing, always, always bouncing something. Always to, always. From one thing to another. Listen, get him, get him to the game, get him to practice. Hopefully he wins. Uh enjoy the new home in Florida. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. And we will we will talk again. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Right. You guys yes. stay blessed. Love it. Listening to the Dad So Hard podcast. If you want to hear more, and we're thrilled by this episode, but think, what did I miss? How do I, how do I hear more of this stuff? And I can't wait to next week. You can always go back to our old episodes and listen to them in our giant library. You can visit us at wearedadsohard.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Dad So Hard Podcast, or on Twitter, you Dad So Hard Pod. Uh, and if you want to reach out to us, please do not hesitate to send me an email at dadsohardpodcast at gmail.com. Danny and I are here. We are listening. We're excited. We cannot thank everybody for being part of Dad So Hard Nation, and we hope you guys have another wonderful day.